Thank you to Matt and the worship team for those beautiful, beautiful carols. I think I'm next in line to wish you a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, y'all. Thank you. You look good. You look marvelous on this Christmas Eve. We made it, huh? We made it. Past all the busyness over the last month, we made it to Christmas Eve. I'm so grateful for this wonderful holiday and uh, to be here with you tonight. Thank you for coming out today. My name is Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at Carney E. Free Church. And if we haven't yet met, love to meet you after the service and connect with you personally. If you're a newcomer here today, we extend a special welcome to you. And uh, I want to start off the, the message this evening with something that I do sometimes on Sunday morning. As a teacher, I like to uh, invoke just a little bit of audience participation, but I promise you it won't be painful. Uh, just, just a little bit of audience participation with me. Let me ask this question as we get started. Uh, what is your least favorite thing of the very busy Christmas season that's just passed? You think about it, I and mean, we talk about the Christmas season as it's the most wonderful time of the year, except sometimes it isn't, right? It is, except for when it's not. And it's this long, busy, drawn-out season that to some degree can wear us out a bit. And some of you are saying right now, this guy's a downer. Talking about what's wrong with Christmas? Did I go to the wrong church tonight? Let's just do a little multiple choice, and I need your participation with me. You'll see uh, a couple different answers to this question. What is your least favorite part of the Christmas season? And I want to hear from you as you raise your hand answers to, to these questions. No, number one, is it trying to find the perfect gift for that someone special who's so hard to shop for? Anyone? Okay, I see a few honest people in the audience. Uh, men, you should be raising your hand right now. I know, I know. Okay, how about letter B? Is it uh, the company Christmas parties, which we're all supposed to smile. I see a few people nodding their head. Yeah, right? Okay, I see some Carney E. Free staff members raising their hand, which is troubling to me right now. All right, letter C. Is it, is it Black Friday creeping into Thanksgiving Thursday? Let's all raise our hands. Let's protest it. Okay. <laughs> Letter D, is it putting up the Christmas lights so they're just so, so they're perfect like your neighbors? Anyone else? Okay, okay, you're the ones that get them up just perfectly that I'm trying to compete against, huh? Or is it finally letter E, cleaning the house for guests? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm with you. Here's some people applauding. Sorry to be such a downer here. <laughs> For me, far and away, the worst part of the season is getting the house ready for Christmas so that it would be just so when all of the guests arrive. We had a number of leaders from this church and their spouses over for dinner last week, and I wanted the house to look nice. I wanted things to get ready before they came over. And so I kind of committed myself that there were two specific house projects that I was going to complete before all of these guests came over. I know a number of men in the room are looking at me and like two projects, big deal, I get that done in an afternoon. But God did not give you two left thumbs like he gave me. It takes me a little bit longer, but I committed myself to getting these projects done and we as a family committed ourselves to clean the house and make it nice and we persevered and we did it. And we had a great gathering with a number of people over for that evening. And the family chipped in 
But I think the thing about cleaning the house and getting it ready for, for all the guests to come over is it never feels completely clean, does it? No. I hear some young lady agreeing with me. Yeah. It never feels completely clean. Like there's always these nooks and crannies in the house that seem to collect dust and a little bit more dirt, and we can never get into them, and you need to clean it again and again and again. Anyone else? Which frankly is a little bit like us, isn't it? It's a little bit like this house right here. It's a little bit like your house, like your body, like your soul, isn't it? We try to clean it the best we possibly can, and we gin up the most possible work that we can to get ourselves clean, but we can never get completely clean on our own, can we? At least I can't. There's always these nooks and crannies that seem to defy my very best efforts, and they need someone else to come in and clean them. Isn't that so? You know where I'm going. Do you know that the main reason, the number one reason that God came to earth in the first place was this? He came to earth to clean our house, to clean us up when we could not clean ourselves. He ascended into earth. He came into dust. He came to us to clean us up when there was no way that we could do it ourselves, when we could not renew ourselves, when we couldn't make ourselves clean. God came to us through Jesus to make us clean before God himself. Listen to just a little bit of this beautiful story, which you know, which will be familiar. It comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, and you'll see these verses on the screen as I read. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. What's going on there? So in, in that culture, there was something called betrothal that's in between our contemporary ideas of engagement and marriage. And it was a legally binding agreement between the husband and wife where they were legally married, but they weren't yet living together. They weren't yet sleeping together. And here is Mary. She's turned up pregnant. So Joseph says, how can this be outside of my wife not waiting for the consummation of our wedding day? And so he says, I will divorce her quietly. He was a man of integrity. He didn't want to shame her more than she needed to be shamed. He didn't want to cast further embarrassment on her. But he decides to divorce her quietly because he is convinced in this moment, if my wife is pregnant, then she must not have been faithful to me. But, verse 20 says, but... After he had considered all of this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through 
the prophet Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. It's interesting, the Bible calls Jesus the King of Kings. It calls Him the Lord of Lords. It calls Him the Alpha and the Omega. These great, great names for the God that could only be Creator. And yet at the same time, the Bible calls Jesus Emmanuel. The only way that you get an accurate portrait of God is this. You put these two names together, these two great names together, that God was King of Kings. He is King of Kings. And He also is Emmanuel. And you stick those together and then you have a portrait of God. He is God Most High and He is God Most Nigh. He chose to come down to be near to us. He is rightfully called the King, and He is rightfully understood as Emmanuel, the God who is with us even tonight. I don't know about you, but it's sometimes easier for me to think of Jesus as fully God than it is for me even to think of Jesus as fully man. I know that Jesus forgave sins. I know that he did all kinds of miracles. I know that he rose from the dead in time and space, and only God can do those things. But to think of him at Christmas as actually fully human, like it boggles the mind. I sometimes think of weird things related to the humanity of Jesus, like, um, just play along with me here. We we say these these songs at Christmas time, Oh, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Like, do you know that little baby who doesn't cry? I've not yet met that baby. I, I think some crying he made. And did, did Mary and Joseph have to change his diaper? Am I allowed to say that? In his humanity as a professional carpenter, did he sometimes miss the nail and accidentally hit his thumb? Did he sometimes get splinters? Did he sometimes get annoyed with his little brothers when they came into the wood shop and they weren't yet ready to handle the wood shop? The Bible tells us that Jesus is just like you and me in every way, with one exception. He was without sin. He can sympathize with you in your weakness. He can empathize with you in whatever you're going through. He knows what it is to be fully human just as we do. He knows what it is to be concerned about others. He knows what it is to to weep. He knows the full panoply of human emotions. And yet he has this one thing that is different than us. He had no dirt in him. He didn't need his house to be cleaned as we need our house to be cleaned. It's really stunning when you contemplate this beautiful Christmas story. We tend to like upsizing, whether it be bigger house or bigger car or bigger value meal, please. Yet Jesus downsized, didn't he? He left the splendor and the glory of the most palatial home in heaven for a manger in Bethlehem. And then for a little shack in a nobody town called Nazareth. And then for a brutal Roman cross in Jerusalem. Ultimately for us. He did all of this to clean our house. 
That's the meaning of verse 21 in this Christmas story. His name is Jesus, and He will save His people from their sins. He has come to us. He made Himself nothing to save us from our sins to come and clean house. It's the all-powerful, all-knowing God, the only wise God, who, cho- who chose to become nothing. Please don't miss this tonight. He chose to become nothing in order to make you something. He emptied himself in order to make you something before God. The nutshell of the gospel, the basic gospel message is this, that God gave Jesus who knew no sin, knew no sin at all, didn't need any cleaning, to become sin for us, to take on our sin, and then to give us his righteousness in order that through him we might become the righteousness of God. So it's like this trading places. He gives us his righteousness. We give him our sin. We give him our dirt. We give him our failures, whatever they might be. He takes those from us and he gives us his righteousness, his purity in its place. What a trade. Are you kidding? What a deal. I love the way author Dick Foth puts it. He says, he came to our place. He took our place. And he invites us back to his place. God descended to clean this house, to bring us into his holiness, to bring us to his place. And I want to tell you tonight that God also descended to give us the gift of his presence. He descended to earth in order to give us the most powerful, most beautiful gift, which is his presence with us even tonight. You think, parents, of what your kids need most. What is the gift that they need most from you? It's not toys. It's not the biggest parties. It's not the finest meals. It's not a new car for their sweet 16, though that sounds nice too. It's not even college tuition. What kids need most from parents day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year is presence, isn't it? We need the gift of parents, the gift of presence from people that we love the most. And that's precisely what Jesus came to bring. My wife was sharing with me a story that when she was young, her parents had very little financially. And her dad went from one job to another job, and he took a big risk in business. And during that risk, for a number of years, they had very, very little. And each year at Christmas time, the gifts were very sparse, the gifts were few in number, and the gifts were always practical with a capital P. The most practical of gifts. There weren't any of the fun gifts that we think of. And one year, her father wrapped up a couple rolls of paper towels and gave these rolls of paper towels in Christmas wrapping to my wife and her older sister when they were maybe 10 and 11 years old. And they unroll these paper towels, they unwrap these paper towels, and their dad is smiling and they're like crying. This is our gift. And dad says, well, we've given this to you so you can help us clean the house a little bit more. And they're trying to give it back to him. No, Dad, we don't want this gift. Please take it back and go get us something different. And as they're giving it back to them, those paper towels begin to unroll. And inside those paper towels were a number of $1 bills for each of these girls. And they let out a scream like it was jackpot. We got this greatest gift that we couldn't imagine. Five or six $1 bills. 
and they laughed and they prayed and they sang Christmas carols together and they gave thanks because what they had was so much more profound than the material blessings. It was the gift of presence. The powerful gift of people who love you. And it doesn't hurt to have a good sense of humor too as they laugh together. But this is what the light of Christmas is all about, isn't it? It's the gift of a good friend who is present with you. It's the gift of a family who loves you just where you are right now, who cares for you just where you are right now. It's the gift of Jesus who has come to be near to us just where we are tonight because He loves us and He wants to be present with us. It's fascinating to me that at the bookends of Jesus' life, it says, I am with you, I am with you. At His conception, in Matthew one twenty one, as we just read, it says, the, the virgin will be with child and His name will be Emmanuel, which means God is, God is with us. And then during His life, Jesus said things like, if you're ever tired or lonely, if you're ever burdened or brokenhearted, just come to me and find rest, for I am with you, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you'll find rest for your souls in me because I care for you. And then in his death, he dies and he's resurrected, and he's with his disciples again, but before he ascends into glory, his very last words before he ascends into heaven, into that palace from whence he came, He says to his disciples and he says to the world, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, and lo, I am with you always until the very end of the age. I am with you always. Do you believe that God is present with us even tonight? Right here, now, with us today, this is his gift. God's two great gifts for us are these. He offers forgiveness which cleanses this house and brings us to God. And then he gives us his presence by which he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. I give you my Holy Spirit and he is always available to you. He is the counselor that is always on call. He is there for you before you wake up in the morning and there for you after you go to bed at night. He wants to clean away the grime that still exists in my heart so that it would beat again with the love of God in a more powerful way than it does even right now. He loves you. He wants you. He gives His presence to you. God Most High became God Most Nigh. The King of Kings became Emmanuel, and this might be stating the obvious, but He became Emmanuel because He wants to be with you. He wants to be with you, both for now and for all of eternity. Incredible. What a gift. What a gift on Christmas morning. Parents, I think we know that most of the gifts that we will give to our kids will lose their luster by New Year's Day, won't they? It's kind of what makes this holiday so humbling, right? Maybe a few of the gifts that we give will last a little bit longer. And perhaps if we're very fortunate, we'll have the gift of some relationships in our lives that last across our entire life. But there's no gift that is more powerful. There's no gift that will last like this gift. 
Every other gift is small in comparison to this. God gave his son for you. For all of your days here on earth and for all of eternity. He is perfect, yet he left his perfect place to come to our dirty place, to take our dirty place, and he invites us back to his most glorious place. The only question is, will you have him? Will you have him as king, as savior, as leader, as the one who provides for you, as the one who loves you, both now and forevermore? Would you pray with me? Gracious Father in heaven, how we thank you for the wonderful gift of Christmas. We thank you, Lord, that in your providence you chose to send your Son from heaven to earth, that he left all of glory for the dirt of humanity to identify with us, to become one of us. And sometimes around Christmas, I'm just shocked that you would choose to come to me as I recognize how great is my weakness and how many ways I have failed and all of my attempts to clean myself up which have not been successful. Father, you chose to give your Son who comes to meet us wherever we are tonight. And we thank you, God, that that is the visual demonstration of your love for every person in this room. Father, we thank you that you chose the costly way of giving your son. You didn't give a gift that cost you nothing. You gave the gift that cost you everything in order that we could become something before God. And so now, Father, amidst all the busyness of the season, we just turn our hearts to you. And we ask, God, that perhaps you would lighten our load Grant us joy in the newborn child. That you refresh our spirits. That Christ our Savior is born. And that we would be lit up once again with the hope that God has come to us. Father, we thank you for every person in here. That you love them, that you created them yet you've come near to us through Jesus. We give you glory and thanks for all of this and more through Jesus our Lord. Amen.